keep calm and carry on. I think you've heard of that. You've seen it somewhere. It has been used to sell everything from mugs to bags to kids' clothes. You see, keep calm and do something. Keep calm slogan has been used with so many other words like keep calm and breathe. Keep calm and ignore negative people. Keep calm and stay positive. Keep calm and have a coffee. Keep calm and stay in church. Keep calm and carry on was one of the key messages created by Britain's wartime propaganda department during the Second World War. Did you know that? Yeah, it was a political statement that was created by the Department of Communication during the World War II in the UK. I'm not sure how much this slogan helped, but I wonder if people keep calm because they are taught to do so. I don't know if you keep calm because you are taught to keep calm. I can argue that people can pretend to be calm. People can display a relaxed appearance without being internally calm. People can pretend to be calm without really being calm. If finding calmness was simply a result of reading a poster or a t-shirt, the world could have been a paradise. We could have just written, write stuff on the walls and we get calm. We just need to write, keep calm in Russia and in Ukraine and people will keep calm. I don't know how much this slogan has helped. Maybe it has helped you. Can keep calm, mug, keep, calm, keep you calm? Can a keep calm t-shirt give you peace? Can a keep calm poster take away fear and anxiety? Keep calm and carry on. Keep calm. Does that mean you become calm? If we say keep calm, does it make us calm? One of the greatest blessings Jesus left to his disciples is recorded in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. Peace, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. That was a blessing Jesus left to his disciples. The gift of peace comes to the believer as a seed. Everyone who decides to follow Jesus receives this gift, this seed of peace. Every person who decides to follow him receives the blessing of peace. But you can have peace and still let your heart be troubled and afraid. Oh, that's why Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Then he said what? Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. He could have just said, receive my peace and that's it. It seems like after receiving the peace of God, you still need to do not let. Am I making sense? There is still work to be done after you have received the peace of God. That's why many Christians are not enjoying the peace that has been promised to us. Receiving the peace of God is one thing, but not letting your heart be troubled and not being afraid is the discipline that allows us to enjoy peace. 
You receive the gift, but you discipline yourself to enjoy it. Peace is a blessing from God, but it's also a result of our discipline as we walk with the Holy Spirit, as we listen to the Holy Spirit. And that's why it is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. A fruit is cultivated, is developed. A gift is just received. It is a fruit because we work on it. We do something about it. Peace is a blessing, but it's also a discipline. Paul mentions peace among the nine Christian character traits, also known as the fruit of Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. In our last sessions, we looked at love and joy. Today, we are going to look at peace. In the Old Testament, shalom, often translated as peace, was used with many nuances. It could mean wholeness. It could mean, it could have mean, uh, it could mean health, security, salvation, or well-being. But in Old Testament also, peace is also used as the absence of conflict between individuals, groups, or nations. In the New Testament, the Greek word, Often translated as peace is Irene. It's a Greek word. That's where comes the, the name Irene. Peace. It's also translated as rest. It's understood in some cases as the absence of conflict. But the New Testament believers did not see peace as the absence of conflict. The disciples of Jesus, the disciples of Christ did not see Peace is the absence of conflict. They enjoyed the peace of God despite conflict. When Jesus appeared to his disciples in John 20, 19, he said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. We can see that he was not wishing them the absence of conflict. Because they understood. After that, their lives were not a peaceful Life. After Jesus, they did not live a peaceful life as to the human understanding of peace. So what was this peace? Lord, this peace that Jesus blessed us with, what is this peace that is not necessarily the absence of conflict? Let's look at three levels of peace. The three levels of peace in the Bible. The first one is peace within Peace within, peace inside, inner peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 9. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses, oh, that's a word again. Surpasses? Surpasses. Surpasses. It all depends on which school you went to. You can say surpasses or surpasses. We went to the same school. Yes, yeah, I I was sick that day. Which surpasses every thought will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and, uh, and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Or NIV says, think of these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. When Paul promised that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, he was not referring to the absence of conflict. Because peace without conflict is a regular thing. It's normal. It's understandable. When he says the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, he's not talking about something understandable. He's talking about something ununderstandable, something you cannot comprehend. So we, what is that peace that you cannot comprehend is peace during conflict. If there is no conflict and you are peaceful, it's okay, it's natural, it's normal. If you are peaceful during conflict, then it's ununderstandable. It becomes, it surpasses all understanding. Peace that surpasses all understanding is peace despite the conflict. No one understands it. It's beyond the human mind. It's beyond the human mind. Because during conflict, we, are, we have fear. During conflict, we have anxiety. But if you are peaceful, then that surpasses all understanding. When I was 12, I, I started a group of young people. We're passionate about preaching and praying. We were, we're praying every week, every Friday. The boys will spend like five hours in the night praying. And the girls every Sunday in the night. We had a prayer room uh, at my place. My mom had a prayer room. It was powerful. And every Saturday morning around 4 a.m., we will go outside and walk on the streets and Preach the gospel loudly to people. Walk on the street. Don't, don't worry. It was not illegal. Jesus loves you. So God loves the world. Then he gave his only son and preaching. And people are sleeping. Maybe some of them were listening. We don't know. Keep preaching and keep preaching. And we came around this corner. When we reached that corner, we didn't know there were some dogs sleeping there. When we just cut that corner, we saw a group of dogs. They jumped on us. They started barking at us, coming after us. I don't know which word I was speaking again. Everybody ran. <laughs> we ran away. We screamed. We shouted. Everybody. We were like a group of eight to ten boys. But I think because we screamed too loud, the dogs were also afraid of us. And us and the dogs, everybody is scattered. <laughs> I don't know where my friend went. Everybody went somewhere. And we, and the dogs and everyone. After we met, <laughs> we met and asked ourselves what happened. Nobody really understood what happened. The only thing I know, we lost our peace. We lost our peace. We were afraid. We were, we lost our peace. 
finding peace despite a dog attack surpasses all understanding. You agree with me? <laughs> Staying calm in that situation transcends all understanding. That's life. Sometimes we face dogs in our lives. And there is no way you can stay calm even though you are preaching the gospel. Even though you are speaking the truth and you know God is with you. At that time I forgot that I was surrounded by angels. Why? I lost inner peace. The dog did not bite any of us. No, no one was beaten. The dog were also afraid of us and they ran away. But our fear made us run. Finding rest and calmness in bad times is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Paul suggests thinking and thinking to allow the Holy Spirit to build peace in our heart and mind. Because we don't think when we are going through issues. We don't think. We think we are, but we are led by emotions when we are going through trouble. So Paul suggests thinking and thinking as two tools to establish inner peace. Stay with me. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Let's talk about thinking. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus as a result of thinking and thinking. Let me paraphrase. Don't worry about anything. Instead of worrying, take all your issues to God through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. The issue with most people, is not that they don't take their worries to God. Most people take their worries to God through prayer and petition. Most people pray in one form or another. If you ask people, do you pray? People will tell you, yes, I pray now and then. The issue with most Christians is that they take their problems to God and collect them back again when they finish prayer. Okay, you take your issues to God, and when you finish, you bring them back with you again. Most Christians pray about their worries, but instead of believing that God is now taking care of them, they continue to worry about it. Paul suggests that we make our requests known to God through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Hmm. Thanksgiving is not an item on the menu you, talk, you take to God. It's not one of the things you take to God. Thanksgiving must be the package in which we present our request. Thanksgiving must be the spices that make your prayers tasty before God. The Bible does not say prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. It says prayer and petition with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. As you pray, you are thankful. As you bring your petitions, you are thankful. Thanksgiving is the attitude of trust. Thanksgiving must be the package in which we bring our requests. 
You are trusting God to take control of your issues. You trust that God is more concerned about your problems than you are. That is thanksgiving. Praying with thanksgiving is to trust God to take the weight of your situation and believe that he is more concerned about your issues than you are. When you go before God, you pray, you pray, you pray, but you believe God is more concerned about this than I am. That means don't take them back with you. Leave your problems at his feet. Believe that he's dealing with it. We should come to God with thanksgiving because he knows us more than we know ourselves. We should bring our issues to God with thanksgiving because he cares about us more than ourselves. We should pray with thanksgiving because God understands our problem more than we do. He knows every detail. When we trust God fully, we leave our issues with him. His peace is then activated in us. When we go to him with thanksgiving, there is a thin line between concern and worry. It's normal to be concerned about life issues. It's normal. Every parent is concerned about their children's safety. It's normal to be concerned about something. Worry is a debilitating emotion that prevents you from operating normally. When you worry, Worry and anxiety and anxiety tend to control you. Just being concerned does not control you. In fact, it gives you strength and courage to work, to do something. While worry debilitates you. That's why Paul commands us to think. When you are going through issues, through problems, and we all do, think. So let's talk about thinking. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any normal excellence, moral, sorry, moral excellence, and if there is any praise, think of these things. Dwell on these things. Most therapists do not recommend thinking to gain control of worry and anxiety. Normally, they teach that to find peace, you need to avoid negative thought. Avoid negative thought. Some people escape into alcohol. Some people escape into drugs. Some people escape for different, into different things. And not, even, not only drugs and alcohol. Others find some entertainment and games and a relaxing environment, food, and anything that gives you some calmness. But the Christian peace does not ignore negative thoughts. We are not called to stop thinking. In fact, we are encouraged to think as Christians. We are encouraged to acknowledge our problems while also acknowledging the presence of God. That is the difference. We are not supposed to stop thinking or block negative thoughts as some people do. We must continue to think, but think of things that are true, honorable, pure, lovely, commendable, with moral excellence and worthy of praise. What are these things? How do we find them? Who fits these qualities? God. 
God. All these qualities we need to think about can be found in God. So in other words, the more we think of God, the more we find peace. The less we think of God, the more we think of our problems, and the more we lose our peace. When Paul says, think of these things, he's trying to help us to think right way. Think of the things that are connected to God. If you find God, if you find God, you find peace. If you think of God, you think of peace. These lyrics uh, by Reuben Morgan of Hillsong Worship say it better. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will sow with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still, know you are God. I will be still, know you are God. Being still in the Bible does not mean you stop moving. It means you find rest and calmness in the assurance that God is fighting for you. It is the firm assurance that God cares about your problem more than you do. Find rest, my soul. Know that God cares more than you do. Thinking and thinking activate peace within Thinking and thinking activate peace within. The second level of peace is our peace with people. The most complicated peace. Peace with neighbors. Peace with wife and husband. Romans chapter 12 verse 18. If possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. I love this scripture. If possible on your part, suggest that peace with people does not always depend on you. Unfortunately, you may be willing to live in peace, but the other party refuses to cooperate. In that case, peace is not your responsibility. However, as much as you can do something about it, we are commanded to do all we can to make peace with people. Paul encourages us to do, if possible, if possible, that means it may not be possible, but if there is a window, do something about it. I've realized in my lifetime, there is never a conflict between two people that one side is innocent 100%. Every time there is conflict between two humans, two people, you have a part, you have contributed in that conflict. Let's say it's just one person. Just one person. The other person is a bad person. Very difficult human to live with. Very difficult. There is one percent of something you could have done differently. Just something you could have done differently. And things maybe, maybe could have gone the other way. But no, there is always a part we play in every conflict. And that's being human. 
So, whenever you are involved in the dispute, find your 1% and own it. Even when you think you are innocent, there may be something you could have done differently to prevent it from happening or from getting worse. So every time you are in a conflict, find your 1% and own it. Own it. You can only rest if you have dealt with your 1% of responsibility in the conflict and leave the 99% to the other person. It's okay. The reason why there will always be conflict on earth is that humans are inherently selfish. We tend to see the wrong of others while overlooking our contribution. That's why peace is hard to find. Because we are selfish. We spend more time thinking about what the other part has done wrong. More time like thinking, yeah, and she said, and she said, and she did, and she did. And look at the way she did it. Oh, no, 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 no. She's just crazy. No, she's not crazy. You are crazy. That's why you see that she's crazy. Crazy people recognize other crazy people. Crazy people attract crazy people. Ah, oh, sorry. Sorry, church. You are not crazy. You are very good. True peace can be found when both parties own their wrongdoing and commit to change. That's when we find peace with each other. When we own our wrongdoing and commit to change. In every relationship, if you want peace, own your wrongdoing, commit to change. This will only work if the other party wants it. Because sometimes it's impossible. That's why the Bible says, if possible. But let's keep doing our part. Finally, peace with God. The third level of peace is peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to have peace with God? Does it mean there was conflict between humans and God? Did we fight with God? James chapter 4 verse 4 says, You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. God did not run from us. We ran from him. We left him. Jesus came to establish peace between humanity and divinity. God never became our enemy. Never. We became his enemy. Conflict started on our side from us and we maintained it. God never left us. We left him. Humans. God never stopped believing in us. We stopped believing in him. He keeps believing in us no matter what we do, no matter what we say. God keeps believing in us, keeps calling us. The reason you are here today is because God keeps calling you to him. Even though somebody invited you is because God using someone to invite you to him. The reason why we are in conflict with God is because we stopped believing in him. He didn't. He keeps chasing you. He keeps trying to bring you close to him. 
Friendship with the world is enmity with God because the desires of the flesh lead to disobedience to God. We compromise. We compromise to please ourselves. Sometimes you need to become enemies with people to maintain your peace with God. If your friend, for example, want to join, wants you to join them in destructive, immoral, ungodly activities, you say no. But when you say no, you lose your peace with them. But you will gain your peace with God. Standing for God may cause your family or friend to dishonor you and your employers to fire you. Standing for God, maintaining your peace with God. Or sometimes you may lose your peace with yourself to maintain your peace with God. Most of the time, followers of Jesus must take decisions that make them uncomfortable. But those decisions glorify God. Peace with God. When was the last time you made a decision that made you uncomfortable? but maintain your peace with God. When is the last time you did this? You felt uncomfortable, but it was about God. It was not about you. You said, God, I'm doing this for you. It's not for me. It's for you, God. I'm doing this for you. When is the last time you allowed yourself to feel uncomfortable, to get uncomfortable, to feel some pain, but you know God is pleased with you? God has done it. He's gone through trouble. Jesus died on the cross. He took all the pain on the cross for you to feel comfortable, for you to live eternally, for you to find peace. But it's hard for us to get some discomfort for him. Peace with God sometimes requires discomfort to maintain. Jesus came to reestablish the relationship we once broke because of our sin. Jesus came to pave our way back to God. Jesus is the only way to God. The only way to God. So, when Jesus was born, the angels sang, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. Luke chapter 2 verse 14. Peace came on earth. Jesus was prophesied as the prince of peace because he reestablished peace between God and us. Peace is a gift from God to humanity, but you still need to accept it and maintain it. Peace is both a gift and a discipline, a blessing because we receive it free when we make a decision to follow Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us with peace with him. He's the spirit of peace. It's also a discipline because there is work required to maintain peace. God's peace is not the absence of conflict, but it is the absence of fear and anxiety. You may go through trouble, you may go through pain, you may go through adversity, but if you have God's peace, there won't be fear, there won't be 
anxiety. The disciples of Christ went through pain and conflict. One thing they did not lose is their peace. They kept peace. They kept singing hymns. They kept singing for God even when they were being persecuted, eaten by lions in stadiums, being burned alive in stadium, being persecuted and killed in front of people. But they kept their peace because they knew what they were getting in. They knew God was with them. They had peace in their heart even though they were surrounded by adversity. Do you have peace? Do you want peace? Three assignments before we finish. Three assignments. Identify three things. Something you are afraid of. What are you afraid of? What, what is causing you anxiety? And then go in the scripture, go in the Bible, and find three verses that give you a reason to trust God about it this week. Secondly, in your last conflict or argument, identify the part you played and confess it to the person who was affected. In your last conflict you had, because I know you, you had it. That's why I'm saying this. Find your part and go confess it that, yeah, this is my part. I recognize, even if it's 1%, but only do it if it's safe to do it. Yeah, I'm not going, sending you to go to someone who is harassing you or someone dangerous. Don't do it. Don't do it if it's not safe, okay? And the last one, write down or print out Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and read it aloud every day for the next seven days. Philippians 4, 8, and read it aloud every day for the next seven days.